Doubt is not something that we deal with once at a certain point in the Christian life and then say goodbye to it forever after. Remember, the Christian journey is a journey upstream. We are always swimming, as it were, against the currents of the world and the flesh and the devil. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick. As we begin the final message in our series, Faith with Questions, dealing with the darkness of doubt. Colin, for those who do struggle with doubt, this is a good day for them to hear this message. Yeah, we're going to begin by reviewing the different causes of doubt that we've been learning about in this series. It does have different roots, Mm -hmm. and to know how to handle the questions that you're experiencing with regard to faith, it's very important to know where they're coming from. So we're going to discern a bit about that. It's a great thing to know that you can only doubt what you believe. We've been learning in this series that there's a big difference between doubt and between unbelief. And here's an opportunity for us to look at how faith handles its questions as we wrap up the series today. If you've missed any of these messages, or if you'd like to go back and review them, a little bit later in the broadcast, I'll have all our contact information, how you can access the whole of the series, Faith with Questions. Now with today's message, Daring to Believe, here's Pastor Colin. Over these last two months, we have identified seven different varieties of doubt, each distinct and each with a particular prescription in the form of a spiritual discipline, which if practiced regularly, will address the problem. We began by thinking about defective memory, doubts that arise because we simply forget the goodness of God. And we saw that the discipline that addresses that particular issue is the discipline of thanksgiving. We thought about distorted pictures, how we can get doubts that arise from a misconception of what God is like, and that we are to address that by the practice of biblical meditation, by filling our minds and our hearts with what God says about himself. We thought about defective foundations, doubts that arise because we're simply not clear about the evidence that God has given us for the Christian faith. We looked at Thomas as a model of someone who wanted to be absolutely clear about the evidence on which faith should be based. And we have seen that God has given us that evidence in the Scriptures, and therefore that the discipline we must pursue is the discipline of study. You must study at the level of your questions. Don't try and address university-level questions with Sunday school faith. Think through the evidence that God has given at the level of your questioning. And then we saw that there are other kinds of doubts that come from divided commitment, simply from being undecided, never having drawn a clear line in the sand, so that I'm one thing today and another thing tomorrow. And we heard Joshua's challenge, choose today who you will serve. And we saw that the spiritual discipline of obedience, by which we draw a line in the sand, a first step of baptism itself as obedience to Christ and affirming who we are, that we are his and that we are his alone and that we are his forever. And then we saw there's another kind of doubt that arises from diminished growth. 
This is the kind of doubt that comes from a faith that is rarely used. It's like a muscle that, because it's never used, begins to atrophy, and it loses its strength. We heard Jesus' question, where is your faith? And we saw that faith is not something that clicks in automatically, but it has to be applied to the difficult situations of our lives. We have to launch out, and we saw that God calls us to the spiritual discipline of service. Then we consider disappointed hopes, doubts that arise from shattered dreams and from a broken heart. And we identified with Jeremiah as he struggled with the fact that his life and his ministry was not as he would have wanted it to be. And he poured out his soul before God. And we identified the spiritual discipline of honest confession. And then just last week, we looked at doubts that come from destructive fears, the what-ifs of life. And we saw that the more we look at the problems, the larger they become, and that the prescription for this particular condition is that we focus our view on Jesus Christ, and that all boils down to the spiritual discipline of worship. Now, put all these together, and one of the most important things that we learn is that doubt itself is a very confusing business. It comes from a lot of different sources. And one of the reasons why many people never make progress in dealing effectively with their doubts is they never really manage to work out where the doubt is coming from. Doubt is like fog, and our enemy wants to keep us confused so that we don't even know the source, and if we don't know the source, we probably won't pursue the discipline that is the prescription to address it. And so before we come to our final theme this morning, I want just to make three observations that arise from the series as a whole. And the first is, it's so important in dealing with doubt that you begin with this whole business of diagnosis. If you are trying to help someone who is struggling with doubt, the first question you need to be asking in your mind and probing in your conversation is, what is the root cause of this doubt? Because if you don't know that, you won't know how to counsel this person as to how best to address it. If you're struggling with doubt in your own mind, this is the first point at which you need help. Where is this coming from? From which of the families of doubt does my particular perplexity arise? And remember that because we are complex individuals, the doubts often arise from more than one cause. A person can be unsure about the evidence of faith and have a broken heart at the same time. And if we only identify half of the problem, we will only be pursuing half of the solution. So the first issue, and it's so important, is to identify the issue at its source. Secondly, persevere with the prescription. The spiritual disciplines that we have identified are not instant painkillers. They have a gradual and an increasing effect over a long period of time. So if you establish a pattern of meditating on the Word of God, and you give 10 minutes each day to reflecting on what God says about himself, and you continue to do that, then over time, you will have within your mind a clearer grasp 
of who God is in all his glory. But you need to persevere with the prescription. The spiritual disciplines are to become patterns of our life, patterns of worship, of obedience, of biblical meditation, of thanksgiving. They need to be woven into the very fabric of who we are. And you will find that as you pursue the disciplines that God has given to us, that resolution of some of the great questions almost seems to sneak up on you and you find that you've moved forward and you have a new level of assurance. And the third thing is this, anticipate new challenges. You see, doubt is not something that we deal with once at a certain point in the Christian life and then say goodbye to it forever after. Remember, the Christian journey is a journey upstream We are always swimming, as it were, against the currents of the world and the flesh and the devil. And because I know that to be the pattern of the Christian life, I know that if God gives me another 10 years, that in these 10 years, there will be new fears to face. There will be new disappointments to navigate. There will be new distortions to address. And there will be new commitments to be made. And in all these situations, I will face new challenges to my faith. So I might as well anticipate them and not be surprised by them. The Bible is full of witness to this ongoing pattern of the struggle of the Christian life with many questions. Psalm 73 is a great example. Asaph, who was the worship leader of the Old Testament, on the platform every Sunday, as it were, leading the choirs and proclaiming the word of God. And he says in Psalm 73, my foot almost slipped. And his problem was he saw that God blesses bad people and he couldn't understand it. And it created a doubt within his mind and it lingered for a long time. It was a struggle. And he says, you know, if I'd spoken out loud about some of the things that were going on in my mind, if everybody knew some of the struggles I was going on with, I would have betrayed a generation of God's people. People would have said, fancy a leader of worship having questions like that. And then Asaph, identifying his struggle, says, but then I came into the sanctuary and I realized the end of the wicked. And then I regained my foothold. As he can come to a mature Christian leader, a real struggle with a question like that. John Bunyan, the great Christian leader, for 11 years from 1661 to 72, imprisoned simply for preaching the gospel. And when he was locked up in Bedfordshire in England, that was where he wrote the Christian classic book, Pilgrim's Progress. He was a mature Christian believer. And he wrote this story in images about a man called Christian who walks on a pathway that has all kinds of difficulties and he has companions, faithful and hopeful. And it's well down the line in the journey that he finds that he's attacked by a giant called Giant Despair. And he's locked up in Giant Despair's home, which is called Doubting Castle. It's very interesting that Bunyan did not put that as an experience at the beginning of the Christian life, but as one that is well advanced in the path of Christian progress. And I'm sure that the reason for that 
is that it was reflecting some of the questions that he was facing while he was locked up at that very time of writing in prison. And he could have gone home any day to his wife and to his four children if only he would promise never to preach the gospel again. And he was thrown into this great struggle and he discovered in his own experience and wrote it out in the Pilgrim's Progress what it was to hold on to the key of God's promise when you're thrown into a situation of doubt even in your mature Christian years. John Calvin, the great theologian of the church, said, while we teach that faith ought to be certain and sure, we cannot imagine any certainty that is not tinged with doubt or an assurance that is not assailed by some anxiety. His picture was that faith is like a command post in the castle of your heart. But outside of the castle, there is always an assault. There are arrows that are being fired. This castle of faith is always under attack. It is always besieged. It is always embattled. And we must not be afraid of this struggle. We must not. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Daring to Believe, part of our series Faith with Questions, dealing with the darkness of doubt. We're going to pause here, and if you missed any of the first part of this broadcast, or if you can't stay till the end, you can find it on our website, openthebible.org.uk. You can stream the program from the website, or download an MP3 for free. Whether you listen on the radio, or online, or on the app, it's only possible because of your generosity, so thank you for giving to support the work of Open the Bible. As you give a gift of £5 or more this month, we want to say thank you by sending you a copy of Pastor Colin Smith's book, Six Hours That Changed the World. You can find details of this offer and how to give online at openthebible.org.uk. Now back to Pastor Colin Smith with today's message, Daring to Believe. This is a good time for planting bulbs. And... You know that very simple practice. You take a bulb and you put it in the ground and you cover it over with dirt and with mulch. Now you imagine a bulb's eye view of that process. The little bulb sits there six inches down and looks up and it says, I've been dumped on. I cannot see the light of day. I'm surrounded by dirt. I'm smothered. But the bulb has life in it. If it was a stone, it would simply be buried. But it's not a stone, it is a bulb. It has life in it. And because it has life in it, that life presses up. It presses up through the dirt towards the light. And that's a marvelous, marvelous picture of faith. So the Bible says you were born again by the living seed of the word of God. Your faith will be assaulted. Your faith will be dumped on. And if you did not have the life of God in you, that would be the end of your Christian experience. But living faith pushes on upwards. And the extraordinary thing, think about this from the analogy of the bulb, is that the very thing that buried it 
becomes part of the process of its growth. That's why James says that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And that must finish its work so that you may become mature and complete and not lacking in anything. So when the dirt comes over, as it were, and you can't see the light, don't be scared of that. The life of God is within you, Christian. Now, God has given us a wonderful window into the struggle of faith and this battle with doubt in the story of the very, very first disciples of Jesus. The Gospels tell it exactly as it is. And this is one of the wonderful things about the Bible. You don't get any varnishing of heroes, no revising the story with the benefit of hindsight. What we have here is the plain, unvarnished truth about the struggle between faith and doubt in the experience of the very earliest believers. Remember that the disciples of Jesus had made a decisive commitment to Jesus Christ. They'd left everything to follow him. So that wasn't their problem. They had the clearest possible revelation of the living God. So distorted pictures wasn't their problem. But even after the resurrection, they still had to deal with the assault of doubt, the dumping of doubt on the faith that was there in their hearts and in their minds. And I want to trace that story with you very briefly this morning from Luke 24. So please have your Bibles open there. It's the first Easter morning, and the women go to the tomb, and they find that it is empty. Angels appear to them and they announce that Jesus Christ is risen. The women come back and they tell the disciples these things. But verse 11 of Luke 24, they did not believe the women because the words seemed to them like nonsense. So uh, Peter, in a very disparaging way, says he cannot trust this witness that has been given to him. He then goes to see himself, verse 12. We know from John's gospel that John went with him and that John went into the tomb and he saw and believed. But here we're told particularly that with Peter it was different. He went to the tomb even after he'd heard the witness of the women and when he saw that the tomb was empty, verse 12, he went away wondering to himself what had happened. So they have not yet come to believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. Peter is still puzzling over a mystery. Then we have the marvelous story of how Christ appeared to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And in verse 33, these two return to Jerusalem and they find the eleven. And when they get there, the eleven are already convinced about the resurrection because they say, verse 33, it's true, the Lord has risen and he has appeared to Simon Peter. So in the course of this time, there was a, another appearance that Paul also refers to in 1 Corinthians 15 that was made particularly to Simon Peter. So now faith is established. The 11 do now believe. You can't get a clearer statement of faith than this in verse 33. It is true, the Lord has risen. So we're at the point of faith now, aren't we? All doubts are put behind us. We believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. Now look at verse 36. 
while they were still talking about this, Jesus comes and he appears to them again. And he says to them, peace be with you. And they are startled and they are frightened because they thought they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your mind? You see, they've come to the position of faith, but now doubt is coming back like the arrows assaulting the castle of faith, like the earth dumping on the bulb that has been planted. And the newfound faith of the disciples is already under attack from doubt. They believe that Jesus is risen, but no sooner have they come to the point of saying, I believe, that they begin to say, well, could it just be that my mind is playing a trick? Now, some of you may have had exactly this experience. You've been born again. You've come to faith in Jesus Christ. But very, very soon after that event in your life, there's a nagging question that seems to come from outside of you, and it says, well, was that real? Did anything actually happen? Was it maybe just in your mind? How do I know that this is really God? Well, when that happens to you, rest assured, you are not alone. This is precisely what happened to the first disciples. There is this assault on the castle of faith. There is this dumping of doubt on the planted seed of faith. Pastor Colin Smith with the message, Daring to Believe, the final part of our series, Faith with Questions dealing with the darkness of doubt. In the series, we've been looking at some of the questions facing followers of Jesus, some of the doubts that may creep in. How do we handle those? How can we look for biblical answers which will strengthen our faith and allow us to encourage others who are wrestling with doubts as well? Just remember, you can always go back to these messages, Faith with Questions, on our website, openthebible.org.uk. Open the Bible is supported by our listeners, and if you are able to give a gift of £5 or more, we would love to send you a copy of Pastor Colin's book, Six Hours That Changed the World. Colin, what are you hoping that readers will get from this book? Oh, well, I think the first thing is to see at a deeper level just how much God really loves you. I mean, the Bible makes this very, very clear. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's what this book is about. Six hours that changed the world are the six hours that Jesus suffered hanging on the cross, and it explains what he accomplished there for us. And you know, here's the problem. There are many people who believe that Jesus died and rose, but they don't really feel that God loves them. And maybe you can relate to that. You you know about the cross, you know that Jesus suffered and that he died, but it's not very obvious to you how this is love. I mean, how is this God really loving me? Well, I want you to see the love of Christ in the cross and to see that this love really is for you. For you to be able to say, no one has ever loved me like this, and no one ever will love me like this. Jesus loves me, and in the cross, I see the full extent of God's love. Pastor Colin's book, Six Hours That Changed the World, is our free gift to you if you're able to support the work of Open the Bible this month. 
Join us next time for the final part of Faith with Questions and the second part of Daring to Believe. For Open the Bible and Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick. I hope you're able to join us next time. Open the Bible is a listener-supported production. Do you think Jesus' death and resurrection is just too good to be true? So did the first disciples. Find out why next time on Open the Bible. From the beginning of May, there's something new on the Open the Bible website. Sue McLeish will be reading Pastor Colin Smith's Daily Devotionals. I caught up with Sue in the studio and asked her what these daily devotionals have meant to her in her own life. (laughs) Well, for many years, I've benefited from reading Colin Smith's Daily Devotionals, which are available on the website. I've always found them compelling and relevant. And from May, Open the Bible UK will be making them available in audio format on the website. As a retired drama teacher and a person who loves God's Word... I just feel very privileged to be the voice for these readings. If you've yet to try Pastor Colin Smith's short daily devotionals, go to openthebible.org.uk. Sue's readings of these devotionals will start on May the 1st.